0: Welcome to the second episode of the Breakpoint Podcast. We've got another coach on here for you guys today, Mr. Jimmy Borendame from Middle Tennessee State. Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Elijah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. As you guys know, what we do here on the podcast is bring on coaches, bring on ex-players, current players to give you guys a little bit of insight into whether it's a coaching strategy, insight into a specific school or some of the other things as a player in their recruiting journey, what they went through and how they got to play college tennis. So today we've got another coach on here. Jimmy's been a good friend of us for many, many years, and we're excited to get him on. First off, Jimmy, let's get into it. Let's give a little bit of your background. Before coaching, where was tennis? How did tennis fit into as you grew up? Did you you play college tennis, junior tennis, obviously all that?
1: Yeah, nobody in my family played tennis. My father's not really into sports. My mother, not really either. And then They signed up my sister one day for tennis and she came home saying she could beat me in something and that was just not gonna happen. So yeah, started picking up the racket and just really loved the individual aspect of the sport. I didn't really start till I was 12 and went on to play college tennis at Butler University, small school in Indianapolis. Had a great experience. Head coach was Jason Susha, extremely positive, passionate guy. But even before that, I skipped a step. I had an amazing high school coach, a man named Bob Hoppenstead, who was also the motivational speaker for the Chicago Bears. Growing up in Chicago, the Bears are a big deal and they actually had won the Super Bowl when I was growing up. So it's really lucky to have great, great people and, and great inspirational people within tennis guiding me. Yeah, four great years at Butler. We did pretty well. And then wasn't really sure what to do. I became a GA at West Virginia University to do a a sport management master's degree, which I thought I wanted to get into sports business and then get to coach at the same time. And at the same time, I did an internship with the Chicago Bulls and quickly figured out that the sports business was not the way to go and that that, (laughs)
0: that coaching was my way. you got to figure out what you don't want to do to figure out what you do want to do with your career. Touched on it a little bit. Like you played high school tennis, you had a really good high school coach, and then going to college, you said you got some key people around you. What was that process, right? So going from that junior, playing high school, going into Butler, right? How was that recruiting journey for you and going to college?
1: Yeah, I was a late bloomer growing up in the Midwest. I don't think I was top 10 even in Chicago, let alone in the Midwest until like mm-hmm. late into my 18s. And then had had a lot of smaller Division one schools. Really wanted to actually go to Northwestern, but it wasn't quite the level there. I wanted to play. It was really important for mm-hmm. me to, to, to play in the lineup. And came across, Jason came and and, and saw me play. I was a serving volleyer, just bum-rushed the net every chance I could. And Jason was looking for some guys that could do that and thought that would be a great mix for his doubles, to be strong in doubles. And he actually, we were the Fab Five. There were five freshmen that he brought in all at the same time. And we had one senior and he was a 24-year-old wow. Israeli. Shlomo <laughs> <laughs> Shemesh was his name. And he played one, and the rest of us played two through six. And so I thought it was really cool to be able to work, be with those guys and develop together. And then this young, really passionate young head coach, I want to say he was 24 or 25 years old. Oh, wow. And he was the head coach and just thought, man, all right, I can see myself developing with this guy.
0: That's so obviously unique, right? Like getting a young coach who's like barely sounds like he was like the same age as your senior. I
1: mean, I don't even want to know how much money he was making coaching that team and then <laughs> he was making us all do two private lessons per week and I think he was teaching a couple PE classes. He was doing some lessons after practice. I thought it was awesome and that just sparked my interest and I started thinking, "Man, man this guy gets to live on the tennis court and be around young people and and help them get better." And I just thought it was awesome. So yeah, uh, that's when that first thought popped in my head that maybe college tennis would be something.
0: Yeah, it sounds like from hearing the story, is like a lot of that came from your very specific engagement interaction with your coach as to what ended up bringing you back to it. So take us down that. Where did you start coaching? Where have you gone? And what's that journey been like?
1: Yeah, I mean, different people get into college coaching for different reasons. There's the comp- competition. There's the, the relationships. There's the variety in the, in the job. There's being around the sport that you love. There's just so many different aspects. And for me, I'm a competitive junkie, but over time I've realized that the, how, how the relationships are, are really the reason that I do this. But I also mm-hmm. have this strong passion to be part of the process of helping someone maximize their potential, not mm-hmm. just on the tennis court, but off the court. And I picked that up from the high school coach, Bob Hoppenstead who was always about, hey, there's a lot more to life than just tennis. Jimmy, I want you to be a a, a great young man, a community leader. And I picked that up right away from when I was in high school. And just continuing that process that Coach Bob Hoppenstead and Jason Susha led me to, and now I feel like that's what I'm doing here at Middle Tennessee.
0: That's awesome. We can get to it a little bit later when we get into more specifically about MTSU. But to that point is you've got people flying halfway around the world to come play there, right? Like they're uprooting their family they've been with for 18 years. Like they've got to have some sort of support system. They can't just have some dude yelling at them on court, right? Like they've got to have someone (laughs) here that cares about them, right? That wants the best for them and that cares about them on and off the court. And that's super, super important especially with how many international players there are in college tennis. As we love the team aspect of college tennis, if you don't have that, if you don't have someone looking out for you, it can be very lonely on a team, right? When you don't have people who are around you and who care about you yeah. and not just someone that's a spot in the lineup. Yeah, 100%. I
1: often tease that I'm their Murfreesboro father is what I like to tease. And <laughs> I used to say big brother when I was younger, but now you know I'm, I just turned four, 44 years old and Um. Yeah. So I'm their Murfreesboro dad.
0: I give them what they need. It's
1: not always what they want, but that's the way I let them know.
0: So take us through coaching. Like once
1: you got into it, what was your what was your journey? I took a couple little zigzags. I was the graduate assistant at West Virginia University. I got the master's degree. Part of the master's degree was we had to do an internship, and I did it with the Chicago Bulls. (laughs) Not for very long because I was miserable. I used to hide in the bathroom because I hated the job so much. And my my family teases me about that to this day. So I started sticking my name in piles for jobs. I became the assistant full time assistant coach at College of William and Mary for a whopping seventeen thousand dollars in two thousand that was two thousand three. And was there with Coach Peter Dobb for a year. We had a great team, somewhere right around 40 in the country. And then Made the move, Coach Peter and I got along, but had some differences in philosophies. So then I went on to be the assistant coach at Virginia Tech, with Coach Jim Thompson, which was really cool because the move went into the ACC, and this was awesome. So it was a great time to transition. And I was there for five years. We took the team from, I don't know, outside the top 75 to top 20. They promoted me to nice. associate head coach and was able to make some improvements with Coach Shiv and learned a ton, probably my learned the most. And then start to get these feelings of well, wanting to run your the program yourself and make some decisions and maybe you do some things slightly differently. And I realized that was the itch to become a head coach. Went to Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. Unfortunately, when you marry a, a woman from Gulfport, Mississippi, and try to take her to Des Moines, Iowa. You should probably think about that a little bit more.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: she had a hard time making it to the north. But at the same time, ironically, I had interviewed at Middle Tennessee a few years prior. And I didn't get the job. And then the job opened up again mm-hmm. at Middle Tennessee. And they reached out to me. And I just saw so much potential. I knew the team had great history and my southern wife would be a little bit more happy in Tennessee and so it was win-win. It wasn't really planned but things always work out.
0: Obviously I know the accolades right at at MTSU, the, the, the program that you've built over these last 14 years. So give us maybe like a little bit of a summary on the beginning of what you walked into and then now give us a summary of where you're at now. When I took the job over we only
1: had four players on the team. We had no indoor tennis center. We drove 45 minutes every day to go to to Nashville to practice indoors. It was miserable. I'll never forget, our locker room was a dump. And I asked the athletic director if we could redo it. He said, yeah, you can redo it, but you need to do the work yourself. So I gutted the locker room myself and fixed it up. And then the good news about driving 45 minutes every day to practice, it gave me a lot of time to think about how to raise money and work on building relationships. So we raised money and we built a $6 million indoor center in 2015. Along the way, we won a couple Sunbelt championships as well and took the team from the year before. They were 7-21, and 21, and we ended up winning the championship my first year. We won it again in my second year. My third year, we had seven match points, and we lost the championship. Uh, Yeah, I still have nightmares about that match. We actually, one of the points, we actually won and we celebrated and then we got overruled, but nothing is a nightmare of mine. (laughs) Then, ironically, the school notified me that the road next to our outdoor courts was widening and they came and chopped off three of my courts on our outdoor facility. That Mm. was May 17th, 2016. Not that I remember that either, but, um, and so then we had to start to work on a process to get new outdoor courts and we're actually in the process. We're about four to five weeks away from opening our brand new $8 million complex on campus, which is going to be awesome. But somewhere in there, I had a little bit of a change of philosophy in my recruiting. I used to just look for the best tennis player I could possibly find and realized that was not the way to go. And so I changed my philosophy and, and started looking at some guys a little differently. And since then, we've been rolling. I made two real big changes. One, how how I ran practice, and then how which kids I recruited. I made that change. And since then, we've just been rolling, which has been awesome. Yeah. We've won four Conference USA Championships in a row. We're back to back in the top 25, two years in a row. And we're positioned to have another strong season this year. So pretty excited. That's
0: awesome. You can hear it from your story. Even from starting from the high school tennis boy who bloomed late, going to play butler, you have these coaches. You get this this image of what you see of people who really like cared. And you came into what sounded like a very crappy situation at MTSU, like having to drive forty five minutes, like you can't sell a program on that. You can't sell somebody on that. And so my question is, why did you choose to put in that sweat equity to get it to where you, where you were? You could very easily have probably maybe gone somewhere that had maybe was a little bit more built out, right? At least had courts on campus. <laughs> but you chose to gut your own locker room. You got two funding rounds to build facilities and do all so much effort and time. My question is why there and why not somewhere else? I don't know. I just, I guess I've been one of those people that's, you
1: know what, I'm not going to just stand around and complain and wait for somebody to give me something. Uh, I was raised by this very tiny and very fiery little Italian woman, (laughs) my mother. And my father was a very self-made businessman and just taught from the beginning, okay, if you want something, you need to go get it and do something about it. And- so I just took mm-hmm. each project on and said, okay, if I want this, then all right. I mean, because when I look back at it, coming from Virginia Tech and Drake, like, I was not a fundraiser. I got, used to get scared by that word. And I realized the Brian Bolins of, of Virginia were building these facilities and building these teams. And I realized if I want to be great, I have to start to wear this hat and I need to figure out how to do this. Yeah. Because if I'm just going to stand around and hope that they're going to build me an indoor tennis center and they're going to build me a new outdoor center, yeah, they're not. When, and I often hear these other coaches complain, oh, we don't have an indoor, or we don't have this. And I, I just kind of look at them and I'm thinking, I didn't have any of that stuff either, but I just went and got it. And I figured out how I needed to do that was by building relationships, being in the community. I keep this beer slash lunch slash coffee list on my phone. Well, key people in the community, and I visit with them and talk with them. Next thing you know, the conversation becomes, hey, Jimmy, what do you need for the team? You're so passionate. What do you need next? Well, it's funny you say that, John, I'm trying to build a new outdoor tennis center or whatever. And these people, they want to help me. And so I've morphed into this new coach slash, I don't know what you want to call it. A lot of people classify some coaches as managers and coaches. But like the coaching part on the court is my favorite part. I've just morphed myself into this so that I can get these tools for the team and and, and the program. Um, I don't benefit at all from any of this stuff directly. It's for the athletes. So yeah, I just, I do it for the team and I want it. And I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do to go get it.
0: I think that's so good. I mean, you're, you're in the center of Tennessee. That's like the last place you would think any indoor tennis courts would need to be built or even needed, right? (laughs) But you saw a need, you saw some other coaches, some other programs be successful in these certain areas. And you're like, I'm going to give it a go. And it it paid off, right? You guys have a phenomenal facility being built. And that's going to be a massive selling point for MTSU for years and years to come, right? Kids are going to see it. They're going to be like, holy crap, this thing is insane. I want to play there. And what's really cool about this new
1: facility, we set it up so that I could keep adding to it. We look at Chris Young at Oklahoma State and what he did, what he's done with their facility and started that from, if you haven't added something in three or four years, you're behind and you're going to get left behind. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm already chomping on the bit thinking about this next
0: project. So (laughs) that's good insight. It just shows actually an extra level of care that you go into making sure that your team and your school is best supported and suited for success, right? Like you care a lot about the success of MTSU and you, you wear it with pride. Well, pivoting over to now, let's focus a little bit more on court. What would a player see if he were to come to MTSU? What would be the things that you'd want to make sure that he knows, right? We want to make sure, obviously the prospect with the recruiting app, we want to make sure that players are going to schools that are the best fit for them. And the relationship with the coach is key, right? Both on and off the court and making sure that relationship is known For both player to coach and coach to player, you want to know the type of player that's coming on the court, right? So let's be honest here. Don't want to waste anybody's time. And then the second question from that would be, what do you look for in a player that would fit into a style that you've built?
1: I'll start with the pillars of the program and how I've built the culture of the team. It's respect, it's hard work and integrity from simple things like all the coaches are referred to as coach. I'm going to treat you the way you want to be treated. I just told the boys, guys, I'm buying you this new $10,000 ball machine that can raise up eight feet up in the air, and it can serve 125 miles per hour, lefty, righty, because I need to save my arm because my arm's about to fall <laughs> off. But uh, when I bought it, When they, they were all like, is he, was he going to really get this for us? Yeah, I mean, I bought it. It's on campus. When honoring your word and how important that is as a man, past college tennis and moving on, When you get into the real world, you're only as good as your word. And then the hard work. Obviously, I told you I redid the whole locker room. I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to do everything that needs to be done from zip ties to, (laughs) uh, squeegee and or whatever it needs to do to, to make the, that's great. We do two individual private lessons each guy per week. I'm at at least one of those each morning. I'm at practice. It's not like I'm dishing it all off to Coach Callie and Coach John. I'm present. So you'd see that right away. I'll tell you how it is. Sometimes I'm a little, I mean, Borin Dame is Dutch. and Dutch people typically are very straightforward. You're going to know <laughs> pretty quick if I like you or if I don't like you. That's what you get when you get with me. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to blow smoke and I expect you to do the same with me. But then getting yeah. to what I'm looking for, the, the, the key, there's three more things. I, I tend to keep things in threes. Number one, are they a good kid? Because I spend more time with these players than I spend with my family, my wife and kids. So I wanna be around somebody that I think is a quality person. Number two, are they coachable? I'm an old school serving volleyer. I'm gonna be asking guys to serve and volley. They probably may have not ever served in volleyed. Are they going to respond when we try to coach them? Because I'm not looking for a finished product as a freshman. I'm looking for somebody that I can we can mold mm-hmm. and work together and, and develop. And then last but not least, can, yeah. can the player get better? Because if they're not going to get better in college, that goes hand-in-hand in, hand in what we've been able to do. We've had guys come in as 11 UTRs, and they pop out of here as 13 UTRs, didn't play their freshman year, and mm-hmm. then they're – making NCAAs and have ATP points when they leave. And that kind of goes hand in hand. So we've been able to do that, and we can show that with all these this data analysis with the UTR and show how our guys are improving. Coach Kelly, my associate head coach, he showed something. We had a recruit on campus last week. All nine of our players on our roster right now, since they got on campus in August, have all increased their UTR by I think 0. 0.25. And so that's awesome. Like, wow, that's pretty good. I don't know how many teams can say that. You can't get any more clear than that. So and, and if they that criteria and they hear that culture and they want to be part of it, then they're on the
0: list. Yeah, that's good insight, right? It's it's you're your on a player that will respond well to you guys get in and you work. Right, You've got the individuals outside of just the team practices. You've got the ball machines. You've got these things. You invested a lot of time and money and effort on your own, of you and your coaches. And you expect your players to reciprocate the effort that you guys are putting in as well. And if, it's a, if it, there's a culture of everyone doing it, some pretty crazy things can happen, right? If you've got a culture of three coaches and nine to 12 guys all digging in and working hard, that done little by little over time, day over day, week over week, that builds, right? And that builds into once you get into spring season and you're getting to match play and you're getting into conference tournaments and everyone's up here at peak level. And that doesn't just happen by yeah. chance. That happens because of the hard work that you guys put in.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually been really cool. I think it was the year before COVID, we started asking our guys to play two additional fall tournaments on their own and it's really snowballed. <laughs> we actually have four players today in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, playing the future in Santo Domingo. And guys taking it to the next level, instead of playing two tournaments, they're all trying to play three. Then I'm like, all right, wow, that this is something that's really caught on. And when guys come to the program, they're like, all right, that's, it's, we're not just going to play the three, four of team events that the MTSU's is taking me to we're, we're We're all in on this. So it's been really cool yeah. to see. I'm very proud of, of that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like culture. You got guys there that are bought in, right? And that's all you can ask for as a coach. You can only do so much and then you get a good group of guys who latch onto a system and it seems like they're taking off with it. But moving on, yeah. I think we gave people good insight into your coaching style what you expect of a player, what you look for in a player. Now, give the 30-second elevator pitch of MTSU. Like, if a kid's got an option to go between an MTSU and another school, why would they pick MTSU? Yeah, you're putting me on the spot.
1: So I think, first and foremost, we've got to be the only school in the country that has recently added $14 million worth of new tennis facilities in the outdoor and the indoor, which facilities, it's it's all about the facilities race, but Really, when it gets down to it, the tennis aspect, we have a proven track record of taking guys 11 UTR all the way to 13 UTR, playing, trying to play on the ATP Tour, earning ATP points. But also our university, nationally and internationally, known for the experiences that we provide as far as real-life experience. So again, I go back to my, I talked about Butler, MTSU is all about giving you real-world experience before you go out into the working world. And so overall, I feel like we've got the best of both worlds. We've got a committed coaching staff. We've got the facilities. uh, We've got the track record to improve your tennis. And and then academically, we've got a a number of, of great academic programs in a variety of different niches that can let you get the academics that you're looking for and get the most out of your tennis.
0: I think I heard a little birdie told me, is it, did I hear something about a private jet?
1: Yeah, I didn't even touch on that. So uh is <laughs> number two in the, in the world in aerospace. We have 27 of our own school airplanes, our own airport, and we actually fly around in our 10-passenger King Air, which it's funny, uh, being here 14 years, I don't get as excited about it, but <laughs> the players love it. It's like we're Roger Federer. We can fly right into town, get off the plane, play the match. As soon as the match is over, hopefully we win. I can call the pilot up. They say, hey, we're going to get a quick sandwich or Chipotle and take a shower, gas her up, and get us home. And boom, we fly right back into Murfreesboro, in and out. No long airplane lines. no, No security. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And the guys, they love it. I mean, it's gotten to be the point where I'm spoiled. <laughs> we don't drive unless it's four hours or less. We're, otherwise, we're taking the plane, which is, is pretty sweet when you think about yeah. it. Yeah,
0: I mean, like you said, you got the academics, Thanks. you got the athletics, you got the facilities, and like private jets like icing on the cake, right? It's and a nice
1: icebreaker, that's for sure. I can usually can catch oh, somebody's yeah. attention pretty quick when I show them a picture of me as a co-pilot flying the plane which was always cool to get you get your foot in the door.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's helpful. I think that that gives people a good <laughs> idea of you. Final thing I'll ask is word of advice to players who are in this recruiting journey, maybe a little late to the game, maybe just, start, just starting to get into it, maybe on the fence on playing college tennis or not, don't really know anything really about the process. What would be your word of advice to them?
1: Oof, yeah, that's good. Recently, I've just found kids just have this very limited search. They've already made up their mind. These are my schools. And I just always am surprised that there's not like a more broader approach. But utilize all your resources. I'm always surprised. Almost everybody now knows another person that has played college tennis. Reach out to them. Listen to other voices about their experiences. Uh, I just sometimes feel like people are so narrow in their view and what they're thinking college tennis is. I mean, when you think about it now, college tennis, we have, a, we have a level for everyone. And there's so many great programs and places that it doesn't really matter what your level is. I mean, we got guys, what, top 200, 300 ATP that are, are still playing college tennis or even thinking about coming back to college tennis.
0: Yeah, no, that's good word of advice. That's, that's what we've been pounding on, right, is that regardless of the level – If you want to play college tennis, there is more times than not a school that will recruit you and that you could play at. So if you want to play, the feelings would most likely be reciprocated that there is a school out there, right, to your point of broaden the view, broaden the search. Don't be very narrow with it. Let's go broader, then let's narrow it down as we get closer to a decision. But don't start narrow or else you're going to get caught. You're going to miss an opportunity or miss up on a school that flies around on a private jet. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So yeah, hopefully people listen. So that's my two cents take it for what it's worth.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. This is obviously the point of this, right? A kid can't get this much in engagement and interaction with a coach unless they're in that recruiting process. So That's the the point of this podcast is hopefully people are listening. People start to listen and they do take essentially every single coach's feedback, which is this exact point. Um, Get broad, listen, use your resources and start early, start often, have lots of conversations. And uh, yeah, that's why we made it. So Jimmy, obviously, again, thank you so much for coming on. And everybody, please like, subscribe, do all that so that we can keep getting coaches like Jimmy on. I feel like I even I know Jimmy really well, and I feel like I learned a ton about him through this conversation as well. So let's keep getting coaches on, uh, like, subscribe, make sure to tune in, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Thanks Jimmy. Thanks, Eliza.